victims, for those of you who delight in dread, who fantasize about fear, who glorify gore, welcome. You have found the place where the horror returns. Listeners, beware. This podcast contains major plot spoilers and the foulest of language. Join us in celebrating the old and the new, the best and the worst in horror. listeners you have once again found the horror returns and for all of you who delight in dread fantasize about fear and glorify gore welcome home 
This is the podcast that proves the horror never ends. As with every episode, be aware that from time to time we may use some four-letter words. Uh, so the sky's the limit, uh, Lassie. <laughs> uh, horror, nice. movie, horror, horror movies tend to be R-rated, so you can pretty much expect us to be too. I'm Lance, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, uh, Philip and Brian. And uh, this week, we bring you guys a really special episode featuring the role of music in horror movies. And uh, we are joined by very special guest, Lasse Elkier, multi-talented, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully I was close, <laughs> yep. uh, multi-talented composer and arranger for television and film. Uh, Lasse, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us, friend. Yeah, man, no problem. It's great to be here. And yes, it's uh, my name is Lasse Elkier, very uh, hard to pronounce, but you did good. So, well, uh, okay. we'll jump. We'll jump right in, man. Um, what got you into music in the first place? Were you Were you always interested in working in the movies, or did you start out with different intentions? Uh, for example, to be a rock star. So, as a teenager, I definitely wanted to be a rock star. Like, I was a huge uh, like Guns N' Roses fan. I just wanted to be Slash. But yeah. as a kid, I was pretty obsessed about movies, and that was kind of the problem because I I just wanted to watch movies all the time, and I didn't know why. And it wasn't like one movie a day, like two or three movies. And I don't think my parents really appreciated that so much. They thought it was like a minor problem. And in school, I, that was the thing I was talking about. But I did, didn't know what it was. It was first, like later on, that I found out that it was film music. But how I got into music was that there was a violin player that visited our school, a Danish violin player that was pretty big, or not pretty big, he was like a legendary violin player in Denmark. Yeah. And he just like played on the violin and showed all these exciting effects. And I'm something happened in my brain. So I went home to my parents and said, I need to play this instrument. And I wasn't very old um, and and they, they were like a bit confused because I was into sports at that time like I grew up on gymnastics and became a competition uh, or like did uh, competition gymnastics and so on as a teenager so they were like what the fuck is going on here we got like a kid that's into art that's like weird but um, I got involved in the local music school and started to uh, do classical violin and piano and later on picked up guitar. And I learned that I was way better at the guitar. And so I kind of like shelved the violin uh, later on and tried to get it going with as a guitarist. But then I like reached a milestone with the guitar where I like got accepted to a pre-conservatory uh, education thingy that took like three years. After the first year, I burned out because I was like, should my life only be guitar? And what about like all this other music uh, that I didn't really know much about because that was film music. I only know about like classical music, but that was like above my head in some kind of way. Right. So I asked to get classical composition and arrangement orchestration at my second year at that pre-conservatory. 
And all of a sudden, I began to get a lot of gigs uh, of doing arrangement, orchestration, conducting, uh, while I was playing in rock and metal bands at, at that wow. time. And um, then, um, yeah, so when I was done with that education, I decided not to proceed like a, an education studying guitar because my goal was to enter the conservatory on guitar. Uh, but I was like five or six more years of studying guitar. Well, that's I don't, super intense. Yeah, but that's how it is, and that's how I wanted it. Uh, but but it was just too much. So I started just like freelancing right away with music. And then the turning point for it all, where I really became aware of film music in my, I think I was like 20 or 21. Uh, I went to the library and uh, picked up this red book with a lot of interviews uh, with Hollywood film composers like Christopher Young that I'm now working with and Danny Elfman, Jerry Goldsmith, Elmer Bernstein and so on. And I could relate to what they were talking about. I think I had a hard time relating to like the rock world in some kind of way. Okay. Like I, I read like interviews and books about Sex Pistols, Guns N' Roses, Rolling Stones, and so on. There was always something where I was like, I, I don't know. Uh, but with this film music, I could relate to it. And I knew pretty much all the movies. And when I turned the last page, I was like, oh, fuck. This is going to change everything. And I actually said that loud. And it changed everything. And a year later, I got my first little shitty movie. And I scored it. And then it pretty much started where I began to dial down everything that had to do with being a guitar performer uh, and dialed up everything that had to do with uh, film music. Um, so, yeah. Well, it sounds like film, film music was a huge influence on you. O outside of film, who were your biggest uh, musical influences or who do you, who do you uh, give credit to for, for really influencing you? Definitely my guitar teacher, uh, which sadly died last uh, week. Um, oh. Yeah, that, that was a big one. And, and he was like, not only a big, like huge influence on me, but like on a lot of um, uh, guitarists from my generation, or just musicians from my generation in the, in the music business uh, in Denmark, because he was teaching full-time and mm -hmm. uh, I grew up like on the countryside. So all the art uh, related fuck ups kids that grew up in that like in, at that uh, area was taught by him. And and um, a lot of them like went on to get really good careers uh, as musicians and composers, guitarists and so on. Uh, so he he just had some there was just something to him uh, he was awesome and um, he was French and always had all, all these like French jokes um, <laughs> okay. so yeah I, I think the thing was that he was just a good experience and mm -hmm. I kept uh, coming to his classes um uh, and, and I started with him for like 10 or 12 years. Um, so he was a huge influence. But in the film music world, I learned that 
a guy like Elmer Bernstein had always been around. Uh, Because in some kind of weird way, I was just obsessed about the movie, The Ten Commandments, he scored. Uh, Maybe it was because it was a long movie. And at some point I was allowed only to watch one movie a day. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to watch that one because it's like (laughs) like three hours long. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, but... Of course, like through he, he saw the movies also, American Werewolf in London, Ghostbusters, and so on. Oh yeah. So I can learn that he was a huge influence on me, and and, and also Jerry Goldsmith, a uh, film composer, and of course Christopher Young. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, to this day, is a huge influence on me, and and a good friend of mine. So. So yeah, my guitar teacher and those guys, and definitely now Chris. Um, what was the experience like going from the South Danish Conservatory to the University of Southern California? So yeah, like, what, what's the difference between Denmark and LA? That's a fucking huge <laughs> difference. <laughs> so weather. like, yeah, the weather. What uh, about the women? The women, oh man, mm. the women are crazy, but luckily LA women is also crazy, so it's always fun. <laughs> but besides that, <laughs> um, yeah, the conservatory, you write like three minutes of music a month. At USC, you write three minutes of music a day. Oh. So there's a huge difference, uh, and you get prepped in two different ways where... Of course, like the Hollywood business is on overdrive, and it should be. So you see, prep you for that workload, and especially uh, prepping you to become an assistant uh, mm-hmm. when you're out of uh, yeah University of Southern California USC, because you are able to like make a living as an assistant. Of course, the goal is to become a film composer and work on your big Hollywood movies and so on. If you want to do that, of course, we want to do that. Whereas at the conservatory, it's more, they prep you. I don't think there's really many assistant opportunities uh, in Denmark. Uh, I was lucky to, to begin work for my Professor Jakob Kort, who's a um, like, very famous Danish film composer. Um, but I started with him at the conservatory, and he picked me up as he, one of his assistants. Uh, so I've been working for him since then, uh, on and off. So I was lucky. Uh, but you can't really do that in Denmark. So you're not like at the conservatory prepped at all for that. It's more about like how can you prep yourself to... To get a like DIY career in some kind of way, because you, the movies is not big budgets, and if you are able to get a big budget budget movie, you mostly have you've been around in the business for quite a while. So when you're a student, you like do a lot of student projects and smaller features and so on. Mm-hmm. So you prep yourself with working with smaller ensembles of live musicians and do a lot really be good at programming 
Um, and then, of course, like the North European uh, music language is different compared to the American one because at USC you work a lot with orchestras, and our final assignment is to record at Warner Brothers with a 64-piece orchestra. And I think like at the conservatory, our biggest orchestra or ensemble was maybe six people. So six people compared uh, versus 64 musicians. Uh, there's, oh, wow. there's a difference. But there's like advantages of like being in an uh, like educational institution where everything is not so big because then your focus is uh, other places. We had more time to uh, focus on like drama, uh, reading the movie, um, and take our time with scoring the scenes where at USC, it, it, you get bombarded and you learn to be really fast. So for me, it was extremely healthy um, to to do make the transition. Um, and the weird thing was that I felt at home at USC right away. Not, no, at in LA right away. Uh, and and I come from the countryside of Denmark. Uh, big, not from big difference. Yeah, big difference, but not at all really. I think it would be a bigger difference if I grew up in Copenhagen because uh, the mentality there and the push um, pace, I would say, is maybe more compared to. It's wrong to say New York, but it's the best I can do. So. Mm-hmm. LA is kind of laid back, but you work your ass off, and it's like being a farmer in Denmark, where I grew up. Like you work your fucking ass off, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and it's laid back. So it's like in some kind of way, same, same. That makes uh, sense. Do you have a favorite genre, a movie, a movie or TV show you like to work on? Uh, I grew up with horror movies, so oh, there I, you I, go. You, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I assume you guys also like grew up with horror and had some really good experiences with, with watching horror movies. And, and it was kind of like what started everything. And I have to say within the horror category, it's occult movies slash fantasy. I could easily also say horror and fantasy. Um, but um, I, I think like as a kid, Horror movies started something in me. Um, it started that. That's where I got my creative spark. Uh, watching horror movies, where I also became aware of special makeup effects, right. and also because I, I I've been a big fan of special makeup uh, special makeup effects, and I thought that I would like venture into that. I think it was like. A, being into effects or, or stunts or so on but it was music that like and I fell in love with but my the creative side of me got ignited with horror movies but um, so I really like that but compositional, compositional wise I work a lot with dramas also and have a big interest in that like social realistic stuff and right and i think it's also because it's like a big a big opposite to horror um and it's like eating a meal it's good to like not eat the same thing all the time you need to like challenge yourself and uh, 
if I've been doing a lot of like drama, social, realistic kind of stuff, I, I'm always really excited to get into horror. And when I've been doing a lot of horror stuff, um, which is mostly multi-layered, you got horror, horror fantasy, you got horror drama, you got horror comedy, and so on. Of course, uh, yeah, and, and and that's like the real brilliance of horror, um, and in all, of it, I just like it. There's just something to it. So yeah. Yeah, I can see what drew you to uh, Midnight Texas if you like the fantasy aspect. And I'm sure you're a big fan of uh, Del Toro, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Have you guys seen his latest movie? Uh, the Shape of Water? Yep. We'll be seeing it next week. Oh. Okay. Is it even yeah. out yet? You've probably already seen it. I saw it at a special screening. Ah, you're <laughs> asshole. <laughs> no, it's a fantastic movie and and he's making some really interesting decisions he is really interesting mm-hmm. as a filmmaker and especially right now it, it's it's kind of like i see a change in the business maybe like i don't know what it is yeah there the business is always changing and the styles is always changing but his movie there's something special about it um so look forward to it look very much forward oh, yeah. to it yeah, I, I always look forward to his stuff. It's always a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I've seen on IMDb that you had a little acting experience. Uh, you you played a zombie <laughs> in Zombie Exorcism. Right. Um, is acting something you want to do more of? Say, so, okay. Let me first say, like, this, with, with this movie, that's actually in Danish, was called, like, Obstanensen. Um, it was a good friend of mine that did it. Oh, and okay. I was like, uh, when I got the movie, I was like, I'm just all in. Whatever you need me to do, I'm going to do it. And he was like, oh, could you come to the set and, like, act up as a uh, like a zombie definitely (laughs) (laughs) why not who wouldn't (laughs) yeah it's just fucking fun and then i hooked up with the makeup guy and actually had a year where i was like doing a lot of events with him and went up in a tv show uh, like a game show as a zombie one more did i do with him we also did a music video where i was a zombie <clears throat> for a rapper, Danish rapper called Neon. <laughs> and before I moved Wait, to wait, LA, wait, wait. What was the Danish rapper's name? I'm totally looking this up. <laughs> okay, Neon. Neon? Neon. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. Typing it in. All right, continue. Exactly. I'm, I'm going to look it up later. <laughs> right. But, but uh, before I went to LA, I just like tried to... Uh, get fundings for for like everything is fucking expensive here in LA and it's also expensive so I took whatever gig I could take and I actually got like a a small acting gig uh, because there's like this medieval village close to where I lived where a lot of like filmmakers do some shoots and so on and there was like a German documentary that was like doing something there like yeah filming something there and they needed extras so i was like okay i can do that and uh, i ended up getting a small like a speaking part because that pays more so i said yeah i do that um but it was fun i didn't get a sword that was very disappointing oh no yeah 
I had to, it, it was like there was guys walking uh, around with like uh, what's it called armor and swords and were right. able to fight. And it's like I want that candy. Give me. <laughs> so, it's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair at all. So. Do I want to do more acting stuff? I don't think much about it. If something passes by my way, yeah, why not? So, cool. Um, how closely do you work with the directors uh, to get a feel for what the music should be in the in neither a movie or a TV show? I try to to like. Oh, let me. Um, how can I say? It? Um, all collaboration starts with a conversation and mm -hmm. I think in all it's it's very important not only to focus on the movie you should also be able to like sit down and have a beer with the collaborator um, it can be a bit hard sometimes because of if you're placed in another country and so on I, I've been doing like how many short movies? 52 short movies. That's a lot. And, and worked on a lot of uh, features and so on. But when you have that amount of, of movies, you can't travel all over the world all the time to sit down and have that starting conversation. Mm -hmm. So but that's where we appreciate Skype, Facebook, and so on. But um, to have a conversation with the director and not, talk about the movie is a starting point because everything is a puzzle and and many times you can find many of the bricks to the puzzles uh, just like through normal conversations but you just like figure it out by uh, sharing reference music uh, many times they attempt the movie also, um, and, and and then you just like try out stuff, and and if you're not like afraid of scoring the same scene like a couple of times, you, you can only go in a good direction. Because I tried with actually with that uh, zombie movie that me and the director uh, like had some really good conversations about the score, but a lot of stuff changed. And and so the music I did in the start was tonal, like with melodies and so on. And he was like, mm, no, that's not it. I, and he had a hard time, like, figure out what was wrong and so on. But through a conversation, we, we landed on the movie. Um, what the fuck is it? Let me see. Um, I have it in my notes, I think. Uh, there will be blood. Oh, yeah. So he... Yeah, so it was just like he he didn't have the uh, the vocabulary to to uh, like uh, to 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 express what he wanted uh, music wise, but he was able to express it like uh, emotional wise. But the the reference music he sent me was more like. Uh, from his favorite movies uh, and a lot of stuff had tonal stuff so we were like off on the wrong foot and then I don't know how we went uh, we, we settled down and there would be blood but when I did something like that like grab my violin and and begin to do all these weird effects he was like yes we got it and then 
Yeah. So like all collaboration starts with the conversations and that's what it's all about. Be good at talking with each other and make mistakes and share music and be really good at re-scoring some of the scenes. You write to rewrite. That's extremely important. Uh, writing a great song. Yep. So uh, I, I know we we talked about uh, uh, working on Midnight Texas and the differences in um, in LA and uh, and 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 the Danish world. Um, what we heard that the pace for television work in North America is very grueling. Um, how does that affect your creative process? Like, do you prefer working at that real hard pace, or uh, would you rather take it easy and do? you know, six guys in your orchestra? Um, I like to be pushed. Be, yeah? Yeah. I, it, it's like, um, there's something about it. Like, I don't like skydiving. I'm afraid of heights. and I would never do bungee jump, but I definitely like the <laughs> adrenaline when you get pushed uh, music-wise. And there's also this say, uh, saying, you don't need more time. Just, like, give me a fucking deadline. And that is true mm-hmm. because if you have too much time, sometimes you can, like, um, sabotage your own uh, creativity. Mm-hmm. Uh, creativity. Many times, like we need to trust our intuition um, as artists, um, and many of us have like low self-esteem, and so we can like maybe write something that's brilliant. And if we begin to think too much about it, all of a sudden we get all these extra ideas, and all of a sudden we just like sabotage something that's really good. So there's something to be pushed and to have like a fast pace. And the only thing is when you work on TV shows is that many times you have to do this stuff in one sitting. Like you have to do one cue in like one day of work. And you can walk away uh, from it or you can sleep, like work, sleep, and then listen to it again next day. Mm-hmm. Because when you get a bit away from it, many times you hear a lot of stuff that uh, you should change. Many times you hear that you're doing too much and you need to take stuff out. Because um, we like when you get into gear and so on, you become many times over creative and especially with movies and TV stuff and so on. It's not like concert music where you can have all these details in it. It's like in movies, you, what can you say? The movie is important. Your music is, music should be first priority, but it is not. It is a second priority in some kind of way. And especially in, in TV shows where it's bought vehicle to push stuff forward. Right. So if you, if you have too much, that's like uh, popping out, it, it can interfere. Um, but that's also like where you need to, uh, for example, like on midnight, Texas, um, there's some, I have to say first, I, I work for Jakob Gold, uh, the guy I worked, uh, studied with at the conservatory in Denmark, and we've been working together for a long time now. Um, and so 
and he's always organized and and I know his material uh, so it's easy to work with him he's the composer and he tells me what to do so I'm like programming everything and so on but we can always talk forth and back so we can move extremely fast in that kind of way and that's where in the very end we have the music editors that saves our ass if we too creative in some kind of way so it's just good to have a good team when you have to work fast. That's the only thing if you do, if you're in a situation where you have to work fast and you're all alone, then it's then it get hard because you need your extra set of ears many times to smooth stuff out. So, but I like to okay. Yeah, I I like to be challenged. I like it very much, but I'm doing an album now and I've been working on that like for one year so it's totally opposite uh, way of working on it but it's also because it's not to picture so i'm able to do all these irritating details uh, i can't do (laughs) is it like a classical album or 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 are you going back to rock and metal roots it's a um it's more like film music based i got so it's a it's a blend of cla- now. I, I wouldn't say classical. I just use the orchestra, but there's also like mm-hmm. some rock uh, elements in it. I decided not to go metal uh, because then I would maybe more uh, collaborate uh, with some artists um, yeah. because then I would be able to create like a band feel in some kind of way. My priority in life right now, artistic-wise, is film music. But I like to have side projects. Uh, and it could be cool to work together with guys that, that would do something like that. And it, it would be even better if we like wrote the songs uh, and I could like take care of uh, a lot of stuff with uh, uh, the arrangements because that's what I do. Um, so maybe it would be like... Um, we write the songs together and they take more like focus on writing the songs where I'm more focused on if it should be metal, it should definitely be symphonic metal because then I can use the orchestra. That would be fun, right? Yeah. So we could like say, I take care of the orchestra wise, some of the writing, of course, but they take care of like the majority of the writing and how the guitar should be recorded and so on. I would like to play guitar on it because I'm also a guitarist, but I'm sure like people that's playing in a band and so on would be way more into it than I am right now. <laughs> uh, and you've also, uh, you've won or been nominated for several awards throughout your career. Um, is there anything in particular that stands out to you as being your favorite? Oh yeah. And the first award I won as a guitarist. Um, it was a... Before the film thing. Yeah, exactly. Before okay. I, I was like even thinking about like getting into movies. Uh, even before I began to like study, like really get into my studies uh, of music. And it was a huge accomplishment for me because I went on stage and played exactly the music I wanted. Um, it was like some progressive instrumental music uh, and we were playing it at this place where like a lot of um, big rock and metal bands usually play 
Uh, but the best thing was like um, the people that was like the jury was mm-hmm. a lot of um, very famous jazz, rock, pop, uh, compo- not, not composer, producer and musicians and so on. Right. And when I went on to the stage and started playing, um, a very famous jazz singer uh, that was part of the juries, uh, like shouted, "Finally, some rock music!" Oh, fucking sitting- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because Danish like, idol. Yeah, the whole day that it, it's been like just standard jazz bands that was was been playing. Yeah, standard jazz bands that was playing. So it just like shows that it was totally left field what I was coming with, and I like that. Um, so, but but I also learned that. When I do my own thing, it's like I get further witted than if I get to interfere in some kind of way, especially at that time, because I was playing in a lot of bands and I was like, I don't know. Uh, I, I didn't really believe in what we were doing in those bands. And then I was doing my thing with this instrumental music and, um, and, and that like award, it was like a first prize. Um, that started this, especially this thing with composition, uh, with me maybe believing more in myself uh, composition-wise than only becoming a guitarist. Uh, because I could see it lead it somewhere. Playing in a band, you almost had to pay money to get out and play when we were playing our rock and so on. So Yeah, because yeah, you're loving it, and they know you love it, and they've, they have some leverage over you sometimes. Definitely. Um, and it was also a, a time where the business was changing a lot, mm-hmm. uh, where I saw uh, all the CDs of my guitar heroes uh, get like disappear from the shelf in the record store. It was a, uh, it, it's like when I really got into music and got into um, guitar playing, everything changed. Um, and instead of like, I think it's also like, I I remember one of my friends said, oh, I'm looking forward to download your album. And then I was like, oh, okay. I, I think, <laughs> I, A whole new I, world. Yeah. I, I, then I was like, I, I don't think I would ever be able to support myself with what I really wanted to do as a guitarist. <laughs> Makes sense. So. So yeah, but, but superhero I, origin story. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, but but I'm happy that I I I um, I it's like um, my first composition teacher. He's like a brilliant uh, trumpet player and played in the Sydney Opera as a kid. I think uh, no, it was Sydney Opera. I don't know how old he was, and we were all like why the fuck is he in Denmark and, and uh, why is he composing when he's such a good like uh, trumpet player? But um, he, he managed, and now he's uh, writing for uh, Chicago uh, Symphony Orchestra. Have, uh, uh, he have like his composition performed there. Uh, so, and that, that's his biggest dream. So the instrument is a way to do, to, to like, you have to mature as a musician in some kind of way. Or let me just say, if you want to be a composer, be really good at playing an instrument first. Then it gets easier in some kind of way. Okay. So, right. 
Nice. Uh, well, I, you're obviously good at playing instruments and, and the whole thing. You've got, a, among other educational accomplishments, you have a master's degree uh, from the Academy of Music and Dramatics Art and Dramatic Arts uh, and the South Danish Conservatory of Music. Uh, what, what, what has been in the role of education into, into getting where you are now? Uh, um, be disciplined and keep studying. <laughs> yeah. So you, I, you think the, the, the college career played a big part in where you are? That's a tough one. Yeah, that's a tough one because, um, see, when I started at the pre-conservatory school, where I got like my first real music education. After that, I said, fucking no more. I don't want to study music anymore. <laughs> but then I got an opportunity that would lead to come here to LA. And then I had to like get back into school. Uh, and because I had had a departure from the school environment and just been working a lot, freelancing a lot with music, um, I actually appreciated being back in school again because I was able to give myself a, a new chance in some kind of way. I don't think like what leads you to get somewhere is your drive and passion. Uh, you can buy yourself to that and that's like more important than going in school. If you have drive and passion, you figure out a way. But my way was like educational system. Mm-hmm. And I have always been teaching myself also since I was like 2021, 20, been teaching music because I learned that, oh, by sitting and having fun with a student, I can actually earn money. That's not bad at all. So nice. I can't narrow in like, Specifically, um, in all, I just believe in education and, and, and you should study. Uh, and for a guy like me, I, I never stop studying. It's always, you always like one. I always want to learn something new. Uh, now in just like the music world. Nice. Uh, well, you talked about uh, Christopher Young earlier being uh, a big influence on you. Um, was has has he always been an influence? How did you come to work with him? Like, is you know, like what kind of influence has he had on your career? So the thing is, how my ears are working. That oh, my ears really like his sound, and that's maybe because Chris's ears really like some of the other guys that I also like, like Bernard Herman and Jerry Goldsmith. So, like, before I begin to know that there even was something that had to do with film composition, I really liked the movies that Chris scored and was pretty obsessed about them. And, of course, like, when I heard the music or just saw um, Hellbound, the second Hellraiser movie, I was like, fuck, this is amazing. What the fuck is going on? Uh, I, I really like the sound of that score, like from the writing to the recording, how it's produced and so on. Um, so so I, I kind of slowly begin to notice that, oh, there's a guy named Christ, Chris Young, Christopher Young. Uh, mm-hmm. His name was in the credits. And 
begin to watch more movies. I, I just like got aware of that his uh, name just begin to pop up uh, in the movie that I liked. So I begin to take a note of that, like with Hellraiser and uh, what's it called, like the car. Uh, Exorcism of Emily Rose. Now we have to go way back. The dark half, Stephen King's The Dark Half, and so on. And Night, Nightmare on Elm Street too. Don't forget that the uh, the, oh. homo, the homoerotic nightmare. <laughs> the homoerotic. <laughs> Actually, with that um, uh, that score, uh, there's we did a, um, a, a me, Chris, and his team worked on a what's it called. A suite uh, based on that score, so I was able oh, wow. to get like in depth. If you buy the new uh, box set, uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street box set, CD box set, mm-hmm. then you're able to like um, um, get that suite also. Um, so yeah, I was able to get like really deep into that score. It was amazing. So yeah, like, uh, but but. Um, um, when I really got into film music uh, and so on, I of course like made sure to copy paste uh, Chris as much as possible. And when I saw he was uh, one of the guys that were teaching at USC because you have a class at USC, I was like, I fucking need to uh, come to LA and study at USC because if Chris is there, I can speak with him and he can hire me as one of his assistants and he did <laughs> good good <Nice>. plan <laughs> yeah i was like this is almost like cheating but uh, no it 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 was like I, i've been lucky and yeah i really like chris also as a person um so um but so he influenced me a lot uh, music wise and he keeps influencing me because um again like i just like his sound and i'm able now when i work with him i'm able to really get into his music look in his scores he got like uh, his library with scores at his office um and we also um, um i think i've been working for chris like three years now uh, so of course you like there's a reason for that he's he's my mentor sure and good friend and we're also doing the usc class together right now it's my second year where i'm doing it with him i assisted a bit the assistant that was doing the class with chris uh, like when i started um uh, but then i got more and more into it and we're able to take it over and and the best thing is when the class is over and it's always like really late around midnight i'm able to sit down with chris and just chat with him um and yeah, so he's a huge influence on my music. Of course, I have like my own sound also, but I don't hesitate to copy paste him at all. Nice. Hey, everybody's got their influences. Uh, yeah. So we ask this to to everybody we have on. Um, is are there any special foundations or charities that are near and dear to you, or that you're passionate about? <clears throat> I don't think there's any specific. But I'm a big believer uh, in education and and that uh, like kids just need to be educated as, as early as possible because the brain is like a sponge and it's like an open window really to to make life easier in the future and also that um, to have parents um, teach their kids 
catch something um, every, every day because like it's a form of communication and, and it's just like it's like a cycle if parents t- learn to teach kids something then the kids t- learn to teach their friends something and so on and so on and then you just like create an environment where people is just like very focused on helping each other and why not and then music in school there need to yeah. be music in an educational system because um it's like we can only base our society on numbers and facts there also need to be the in-betweens um and and i grew up in a i was lucky to grow grow up in a school that where we had my math teacher he's like extremely crazy with music he just loved it and, and he was making sure we uh, we it, uh, were taught music in school and every morning we sang a song and it's also a great way to um make everybody equal in some kind of way mm-hmm. um there's just like something to it uh, and 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 of course like art have kind of saved my life uh, because i was without knowing it, extremely um, passionate about music since I've been alive, uh, since I could think. Um, and to miss out of that, that would have been, like, not good at all. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, like, education and, and education in, in mu- uh, like, uh, music in, in an educational uh, institution environment is extremely important. And I've been teaching since I was 20 years old. So, of course, I say that. I've been teaching music. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, because in America, there's a a kind of a trend of of losing that music and education. And uh, hopefully we can get it back in there. It's the same in, in Europe. Like in Denmark, I think... Everything, everything have changed a lot since I was a kid till now. And mm-hmm. um, like I grew up with music in school and I definitely, it, it, it affected the students in some kind of way. We, we created some kind of unity uh, within music. Um, but then like it disappeared from the music uh, system and, and even like in, in uh, what's it called like in music school there was like waiting lists uh, so people that wanted to play an instrument they were like no you need to wait like six months to be able to oh, play no. yeah, yeah exactly but that's where i come in because then i begin to uh, teach like uh, privately mm-hmm. uh, because it's just like come on it, it's kind of dangerous not to have art in in in, in society uh, oh, absolutely it, it, see, this part is a longer conversation, but I'm, <laughs> I, I think it's extremely important that we have art and music um, in, yeah, just like we, we need to have it as soon as possible because it's, uh, it's, it's going to benefit us in many ways. Yeah, for sure. Well, there's still hope. My, uh, my granddaughter plays violin in the orchestra at her uh, middle school, so. Yeah. Uh, there's still hope. <laughs> there's That's still awesome. hope. I'm going to jam out with my kids after this. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Give them some Metallica, some Tool, some Rush. Yeah, buddy. Hey, I know how to play that stuff. 
Uh, all right. Uh, last now, if, if you would join us, uh, we'd like to take a brief trip through some of the greatest musicians and arrangers in the business. Uh, if you have time to stay with us for a little bit. Yeah. Definitely. Excellent.
Uh, all right, well, we'll start with one of the greats. We've already talked about him a little bit. You've worked with him extensively. Of course, Christopher Young. Uh, and I did a little research. I'm sure you know a lot more about about him than I do <laughs> through my uh, through my Googling. But uh, born in New Jersey, just so the listeners know, uh, born in New Jersey, uh, Christopher moved to Los Angeles in 1980. His first job in the movies was for the cult classic The Dorm That Dripped Blood. Uh, that starred Daphne Zuniga, who would go on to play uh, Princess Vespa in Spaceballs. Yeah. Uh, yes, a, list, a listener favorite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Christopher has won a number of awards and was nominated for a Golden Globe for the shipping news. Uh, definitely not horror. No, no. Uh, but his Fangoria Chainsaw Award victories include The Grudge, uh, Drag Me to Hell, and Sinister. So he definitely has the uh, the chops. Right. Uh, he's he's actually an avid. You you may know this better than us. Uh, from what I understand, he's an avid collector of uh, horror autographs, Halloween mask, and jack o' lanterns. Is that true? Oh, definitely. You, if you guys ever come here to LA, I need to show you him his office. He's not just like a big collector. Yeah. He's like obsessive collector, and he's aware <laughs> of that. <laughs> it's awesome. What's it like working with him? Chris is an interesting guy. I, I love him. Re- I, I do really <laughs> love him. But he also pushes you to the edge, of course. Okay, he really, good. He demands a lot from you. And if you're a mind reader, it's a fucking win. Um, in in the start when I was working for him, it, it was like, oh, shit. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff to, to get into. But as you like, it, it took a couple of months and then you get up to speed. And luckily, I, I'm... As said, I'm a big fan of him. Um, and, and I would say it's like if you work with Chris and you're not a big fan of his music, I'm not saying you're wasting your time, but I just like say it's an advantage uh, right. because um, you spend a lot of hours. When, when you work at his office uh, full time, it's a lot of hours and there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done. And I never felt that I was wasting time. And I even when uh, when we were working on like a big movie and and there just was a lot of stuff to do, I was like sleeping at the office because I didn't want to miss out of anything. Um, so it's good to be obsessed about his music, um, and also because he's an open book. Uh, and if you have a question, he will like try to answer it as best as possible. He's very into mentoring people and, and prepare you as good as possible for the business. Mm-hmm. He's not going to give you a movie, uh, and he's not going to have you uh, write music for him, but everything else you're able to like get really deep into, uh, and that's also why I, I'm, I like to stick around. Um, but Another thing is also like he's old school. He don't touch computers at all. They're gonna explode if he's like touching them. So. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> That's pretty unusual. I'm not mad at that. <laughs> no, the the thing is that because he's old school, like when he writes music, you have to be together with him and um, like uh, take notes. He, he sits at the piano and, and play all the stuff and hum and. Uh, so on, he's a shitty pianist. He says that himself, so it's okay. Uh, but um, he he's able to get the point across. But then you're sitting there with your handheld recorder and taking notes on a, a like notepad or something, and 
it's just amazing to see how he got everything into his head. Um, of course, you have to help him. And if you're like, oh, uh, we, I think we missed out uh, the part of the woodwinds and so on. Then he's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we should do something there. And many times he's like, oh, fuck that. We just like only need like string on brass. Uh, mm-hmm. The more the better there. But um, yeah, and then we, when you sit down and if you have to put it into a notation program so you can turn it into a score and have musicians play it, it's just like amazing to see how he, he's just an amazing composer. Um, so it's like, for me, it's extremely interesting to work with him. Um, and and I like his personality. He he's a lot of fun. He's also a weirdo, but we all are. Um, so yeah. But I have to say, as a composer, it's really hard not to be a fan of Chris, and because he just he really have the chops. And also, like he really liked to do a lot of different kind of stuff, not only horror and not only for orchestra. Like Sinister, that's all electronic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Exorcism of Emily Rose is like all this weird uh, string kind of stuff, very brutal. And then we have uh, Monkey King, uh, which he recently did, uh, which is like all fantasy music. And then uh, you mentioned a movie, like he's also into drama and really good with drama also. So you're able to like work on a, like on a, big variety of of, uh, of genre uh, of movies within different kind of genres and so on and that's like a win definitely Well, we uh, I would kind of bullet point a couple of the the giants in the industry, and I'm sure these are all people that you're that you're pretty familiar with. If, if you could kind of 
share yeah. your reflections on on these particular artists. And you said you said uh, Christopher's a bit of a weirdo. So let's go to another weirdo. Uh, this time a Brit a British weirdo. He's done a lot of uh, progressive rock music. He's played a lot of di- uh, with a lot of different bands, but. Uh, he's a lot more into film than I thought he was. Of course, everybody recognizes Tubular Bells from The Exorcist. But what are your uh, what are your thoughts on Mike Oldfield? See, um, of course, like got to know uh, Mike Oldfield through uh, The Exorcist uh, because it's like so present that theme. Even though it, I, I think it's only like two minutes of music in total that's in that movie. Mm-hmm. One scene and and then some uh, stuff in the end credits. Uh, but a guitar student of mine introduced me, like really introduced me to my goldfield. And um, I haven't listened to his music for a long time, but mm-hmm. uh, I have to say the Tubular Bells album, that's like very ahead of its time in some kind of way. And especially... Sure. Like the the start, it's so there, there's just something to it, and and it also makes, uh, especially the scene in the Exorcist uh, uh, where they use that piece of music, it it feels very timeless. Mm-hmm. So, without being like really studying Mike Oldfield, I I think just like that piece of music is like really ahead of its time. The production can maybe sound a bit dated some. Where, but still, like, um, super. I, I fucking love like how they used it in, in The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but no, I haven't really listened to a lot of his music. So maybe you guys know him better than I do. Well, I've heard I've heard a lot of his stuff. The the entire Tubular Bells album, of course, everyone's listened to that. Uh, yeah, he's he's done a uh, revisited album recently. I think within the last three or four years, and it's uh it's an ext- it's an extension of Tubular Bells. It's like forty eight minutes or something right, like that, right? That sounds just about right. <laughs> that sounds about like oh. <laughs> But uh, yeah, anytime that I think anyone who hears that right immediately thinks of The Exorcist for sure.
Yeah, but that's also the in- interesting thing when you begin to think about composition because composers want to be complex and do a lot of stuff, but when you have to brand a movie, you sure. just need little ingre- ingredients. Absolutely. And that's just like so way more important than being able to to be able to write a fugue, uh, uh, learn about sonata form, and all this. Like the film music and cla- the classical world is two different uh, entities in some kind of way. And when you have figured that out, dang, you can like mm-hmm. you just need this small fragment, and then you've done something that's going to be remembered forever. It's like with John Williams, like he's do do. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> then we know it's toss, and uh, Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> sure. Uh, John John Carp John Carpenter's Halloween theme. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, there was talk- like. What? No, uh, you talked about uh, John Williams. I was actually watching Home Home Alone two of all things last night, uh-huh. and I was like, I know that music. It sounds right. just like Raiders of the Lost Ark, that part of it. Now it sounds like Star Wars, but it's Home Alone exactly. too, so you can really recognize him right away. Yeah, I love that, and, and it's like a, a. I would wish that composers would copy paste themselves some more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I was like, a, what was it, Elmer Bernstein? I saw like a American Werewolf in London, where I was like. And I think he only contributed with like under five minutes of music to American Werewolf in London. Really? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, but I, I was like, oh, I can hear some Ghostbusters in that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and he did but, uh, but, anim- Animal House and and a lot of comedies, right? right? Yeah, 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 exactly. That that's also um, it's interesting with American Werewolf in London because. That movie, that's where I was like, okay, I love horror movies because I think the first horror movie, the first horror movie I watched was like an old black and white Dracula movie. Sure. And I was just excited about that and pride being like a six-year-old kid that finally watched a horror movie. But then my parents did something I would call bad parenting in a good way. <laughs> but <laughs> I think we've all been there. Yeah, but uh, they had like a rule of thumb that as as long as us kids, I have two sisters, as long as us kids uh, watch the movie with our parents, it's good enough. It's good because then they can explain it's only ketchup and so on.
but I think I saw the fly in a way too early age. And it's the only time where I covered my eyes, but that started something in me where I was like really appreciating the art of horror. Also because The Fly, uh, David Cronenberg's The Fly, mm-hmm. it is like horror, but it's also a drama. If you take away all the horror, there's there's just some, uh, then it's a drama. And that's where American Werewolf in London, if you take away all the gore and so on, it's a comedy. It's a comedy, so I, of course. Yeah, exactly. And and that's just like where I learned that, okay, horror is extremely multifaceted. You you get a lot on your dish and, mm-hmm. and I like that. Uh, you were talking but, about uh, you were talking about How- Howard Shore, or uh, the fly. That right. was Howard Shore. He's he's one of the greats. Yes. Oh fuck yeah. And and yeah, and it's just like incredible that he did the fly and then he did Lord of the Rings. Right. It's like super opposites. <laughs> But that's also the cool thing about being a film composer that and also the, the thing that Chris is like really embracing the variety of styles you can like go into. And and I even like as a film composer, uh, I got away from horror for a while by accident. And all of a sudden I was like this person that did all this drama kind of thingy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just had a sound where people were like, OK, this is really good for drama. Okay, cool. Then I do that. Sure. And then I got into some thriller kind of stuff at some point, and so on. And and I think as a composer, it's just like very important. As a film composer, it's very important to um, to just embrace uh, different styles and prepare yourself to whatever come your way, um, because you don't. A movie is a movie, and if it's a good movie, it's a good movie. Whether it's a comedy, it's a splatter movie, it's it's a drama, and it's just like a privilege to work on a good movie. And then you, of course, can be a fanboy of something like horror movies, and and that's maybe where I'm like a bit more. If if, I, if people want me to work on on a horror project that's not like up to snuff many times I'm like yeah fuck it I'm just a fan I, mm-hmm. I want to support guys. <laughs>
you said you were heavily influenced by uh, There Will Be Blood? Yes. So was that pretty much all Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead that put all that music together for that film? Yeah, it, it was all his stuff. And I think it, I think some of the tracks was even from some of his previous projects uh, he did. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, but that score and that movie actually when I saw There Will Be Blood in the start I didn't get it like the first scenes and so on I was like what the fuck is going on here it's just like (laughs) music wise I was like so confused but I just got mesmerized and when like it ended I was like this is fucking genius so it really (laughs) yeah it but that, that's how I usually have it with when I experience new stuff that's like really have an impact on me that I, because it's not like same, same what I'm used to. I'm like, oh, fuck, this is like, I don't like this. Right. And then as I get f- further into it, I'm, I'm well, there will be blood. It's a masterpiece in itself. It's just a fucking masterpiece. And what Johnny Greenwood did, like, Jesus fucking Christ! Um, he did a really good job, <laughs> and, and and yeah, um, yeah. Um, but and it helped me a lot that score because um, I, I think it's a great score to study. Uh, but it's also based on the technique, the Polish technique of what's it called? What Krzysztof Penalecki is doing a lot. So, um, and I think those two guys, that that's like a modern classical composer. Those two guys had even like uh, collaborated. Um, and, and that's quite interesting because Johnny Greenwood come from the rock world. Rock and, and roll, sure. Yeah, and venturing into the classical world. I don't know anything about his education, but I think he also studied composition of classical uh, instruments and so on. But then he teamed up with this classical musician that's into all this atonal kind of stuff uh, and then they clash it's just like amazing but Johnny Greenwood there would be blood fucking masterpiece and um, there's a lot of techniques you can definitely copy paste
do you have like a just a, a favorite film that's coming up that you would like to work on, like Star Wars franchise or some something like that? You mean like a dream uh, job, right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I should have prepared myself for this. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> a good um, question. It's a good question. Which movies are coming up? Are fantasy movies? So, like a something in the fantasy genre, then. Oh yeah, uh, if there's like a fantasy horror thingy, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some sort of epic thing. Those are known for soundtracks. Yeah, but if it's like fantasy, first of all, I like fantasy. If it and if I have like this horror side to it, mm-hmm. oh man. Also, because then you can both do like uh, atom kind of stuff, all these effects and so on. But you can also do melodic stuff. Sure. And I feel that music, uh, the movies nowadays, just need more melodies. Um, I think we are at the edge where you can have longer drones, like in what's it called uh, the the movie that Chris Nolan just did. Uh, shit. Oh. Dunkirk. Yeah. Dunkirk. Most of the music is just like one. And it's extremely effectful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really like the movie. But it's just one note. It could be nice with two notes. Um, <laughs> now, it, it, it's okay. I, I feel it, 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 what he, what they did with that movie was really interesting and so on. And, and it's a great, great movie. But personally... I would really like to work with melodies and I spend a lot of time writing just melodies in my free time. That's kind of my hobby when I'm not like uh, lifting weights and so on. I write melodies because I'm very fascinated about melodies as I'm also fascinated with all this atonal kind of stuff that uh, Johnny Greenwood is doing because it's like when you have all this electronic complex orchestral kind of stuff to uh, synth stuff that's really like um, weird, then then you have something that really can do something with drama. But sure. when you have melodies, you can kind of fly high in some kind of way. Um, it's just like two great opposites and then you just have to learn to do this little fragment like Mike Oldfield's fragment in The Exorcist then you're set to go makes sense yeah but I don't I don't know any movies coming up it would be great to like score a movie like Star Wars but I would also be like fucking scared uh, and I had to do a lot of research because I think if you want to to score a Star Wars movie you need to copy paste like John Williams as much yeah. as possible. Don't fuck it up too much. I don't see any mm-hmm. reason to do to fuck it up. Just like sure, listen to what he's doing and and be his hands in some kind of way. Yeah, don't. It's like say it again. No, don't don't uh, don't fix it if it's if it's not broken. Exactly, and I would say the same way if they if there was like a Hellraiser remake coming up, I would say. If an if a composer should pick that project, don't do your thing. Just like do what worked, mm-hmm. because the Hellraiser score is just like fucking amazing. Be Chris's fucking hands if they can't afford hiring him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, and that's it's like um, I'm a big fan of the band Queen, and I love all the bands that 
or so- sound alike. Um, it's it's just like um, yeah, I, and especially with movies and franchises and so on. If you're onto something that works, especially with Star Wars, don't fuck it up. Just yeah. don't fuck. Just be John Williams sense. Plus, so. fanboys are gonna lose their mind if you change it too much. Exactly. <laughs> we don't want that. It's too much like noise, <laughs> right? <laughs> Well, uh, Lars, we really want to thank you for for joining us this week, man. We know your schedule's busy. Yeah, I have to get back to work. Uh, well, listen, before you go, where can, where can our listeners find you? And also, what are you what are you up to lately? So, what I'm up to lately, I'm about to do a feature. If everything goes in the right direction, I already like uh, uh, have been doing like 15 minutes of music to it. So. But still, there, there's more writing, and, and we also need to figure out some paperwork and so on. But that's, like, one of the projects I'm really excited about. And then I'm finishing my solo album we, we talked about. It should, it's first going to be done, like, uh, be out around summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm working with Chris at his studio uh, at least once a week. Um, and then have like all these small projects coming in and out uh, that keeps me busy. So, but um, the album and that feature is my focus right now. So how how do we all how do we all follow you on on social media? How do we uh, how do we purchase a digital download of your album? So you just have to Google me, or Facebook me, and so on. And I should maybe spell my name. Because that's what you have to Google. L-A-S-S-E-E-L-K-J-A-E-R. And if you add a .dk, you're going to end up on my website. But I would say Facebook. Find me on Facebook. Uh, Then it's easier to figure out what I'm doing because I'm I'm updating that like daily. So, yes, Google me, Facebook me. Instagram me and so on. Just like figure out to spell my name, then you can find me. Awesome. And on Facebook, I'm the, I'm the long-haired guy. If you you like hook up with a short-haired guy, <laughs> he's a Denmark long guy. <laughs> yeah, I, and I don't know which company he have, but I get a lot of his invoices. So, uh, oh no, which I have to. Say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, as always, listeners, we want to thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Horror Returns. Uh, we would love to hear your feedback and ideas. You can always reach us at thehorrorreturns at gmail.com. Uh, follow us everywhere, and, of course, we'll put some links on for our guests so you can follow him as well. Uh, next week, it's time to celebrate the season with our favorite Christmas horror movies. And we will be joined by our friend Darian Brock from the Padded Room podcast. So, until the horror returns again, good night. Mm-hmm.